you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. You would please open your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy. We are in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is God's Word. This is the command, the statutes and ordinances, the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all his statutes and commands I'm giving you, your son and your grandson. And so that you may have a long life, listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he would give you, a land with large and beautiful cities that you did not build, houses full of every good thing that you did not fill them with, cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Fear the Lord your God. Worship him and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the Lord your God will become angry with you and obliterate you from the face of the earth. Do not test the Lord your God as you tested him at Massah. Carefully observe the commands of the Lord your God, the decrees and statutes he has commanded you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that you may prosper and so that you may enter and possess the good land the Lord your God swore to give your fathers by driving out all your enemies before you, as the Lord has said. When your son asks you in the future, 
What is the meaning of the decrees, statutes, and ordinances that the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. Before our eyes, the Lord inflicted great and devastating signs and wonders on Egypt, on Pharaoh, and on all his household. And he brought us from there in order to lead us in and give us the land that he swore to our fathers. The Lord commanded us to follow all these statutes and to fear the Lord our God for our prosperity always and for our preservation as it is today. Righteousness will be ours if we are careful to follow every one of these commands before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. This is the command, Moses says. This is the command, the statutes and ordinances. The Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them. I actually had a parishioner in Atlanta, I'm somewhat embarrassed to say, who told me that he was so grateful to have learned at a conference that when it says we're to observe God's commands, that means keep your eye on them. It doesn't mean we have to obey them. So I've tried that with highway patrol officers. (laughs) Not really. But can you picture what would happen if you got stopped for speeding and you said, oh, officer, I was observing the speed limit. (laughs) The text makes it very clear that when God says you're to learn these, it's in order that you may do them. When Jesus commissioned his followers, sending them out to make disciples, He said, teach them to observe all I've commanded you. That means put it into practice. But in order to put it into practice, you need to know what it says. So it begins with Moses being commanded to teach them so that they would do them, so that they would follow God's law. And we've said over and over. Nobody is going to be saved by keeping the law of God. And the reason we say that is because the Bible says that. And the reason the Bible says that is because none of us keeps the law of God perfectly. We all fall short of the glory of God. But that is not a reason to just disregard the law of God. A famous preacher I used to know is making headlines again because he's trying to get Christians to decouple our lives and our preaching from the Old Testament and telling his parishioners and his worldwide audience that basically the Old Covenant has no relevance for those of us who now live in the new covenant as if this is some new insight it's not a new insight it's an old heresy and so when we come to the scriptures 
the references in the New Testament that tell us how to regard the Old Covenant Scriptures don't say, oh, you can ignore that. Over and over and over again, we're reminded that this is God's Word. It is God-breathed. And if you don't understand that the Old Covenant is pointing us to the New Covenant, then you're not understanding the Old Covenant correctly. But if you think that the Old Covenant is just irrelevant, then you're not understanding the New Covenant correctly. So, as we study this command, what do we see? Every good Jew begins his day by reciting from this passage, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's where it starts. It's not just about what we do, it is what we do because of who he is. It is conduct built on relationship. And so this passage begins by saying, back in verse 3, listen Israel and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Then says, verse 4, listen Israel, Shema Yisrael, listen Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That, according to Jesus, summarizes the law. The commands are wrapped up in that. But what does it look like if we love the Lord? Well, God gives us a lot of information about that. You can't say, I love you, and do the opposite of what God has said he wants us to do. What if my wife said, honey, I love you so much, I decided that for Sunday dinner today, we're going to have beans and greens. She loves beans and greens. When we go to Cracker Barrel, when we go to Cracker Barrel, man, beans and greens, she wants them. But my wife knows that for me, that would be like saying, I've bought a dentist drill so that I can work on you at home <laughs> with no Novocaine, okay? I mean, that would not be loving. Well, the reason God gave us his law is so that we know what loving God and loving our neighbor looks like. It's not just to give us a bunch of rules to follow. The point of this, it says in the passage, was for our prosperity and long life. If we do what God says, things work out better for us. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a society in which people followed the law of God? But guess what? Nobody is going to be justified in God's sight by keeping the law because we don't. Well, okay, but I mean, some of us are working really hard and coming pretty close. 
yet it's not enough to justify you in God's sight. The illustration that the children always love is when I talk about throwing up in the soup. What if you only throw up once? Okay? And then you add some other stuff to kind of cover over it. Does that make it okay? No. We don't recognize how awful sin is. Because we're used to it, sadly. We think when we look at our lives that we're doing pretty well. You know, I mean, compared to those folks, we're doing pretty well. We're pretty good. But in the presence of a holy God, woe is me, I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. When you glimpse the holiness of God, your righteousness is recognized for what the Bible calls it, like filthy rags in God's sight. Our best is far from perfect. And so the only way anyone is justified in the sight of God is with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And thanks be to God, Jesus came to save sinners. God is not standing there pointing out all our flaws in order to shame us. God sent his son to take the punishment we deserve and give us the righteousness of Jesus Christ so that when he looks at us, he sees holiness. He sees righteousness. He sees beauty. And as we've said before, Jesus is quoted in John's Gospel as saying, I want you to know that the Father loves you the same way that he loves me. That still blows my mind, and I've known the Lord a long time. Why? How? How is that possible? It's possible because he sees me in the righteousness of Jesus. Thanks be to God. Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood is listener-supported. If you would like to help, please get a pen and paper so that I can give you our contact information. You can make a difference in the lives of those who hear this message and the lives of children at Wears Valley Ranch. We are grateful for gifts of any amount. Please visit us online at wvr.org. That's wvr.org. Or send in a donation to Wears Valley Ranch at 100 One Fine Place, Sevierville, Tennessee, 37862. That's Wears Valley Ranch at 101 Fine Place, Sevierville, Tennessee, 37862. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is So, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today, verse 6, are to be in your heart. That is where it has to start. It is not enough to have them as a stencil on your wall. It is not enough to have them as a bumper sticker on your car. It is not enough to have them in a book that you keep on a coffee table. God's words are supposed to be in our heart. Then, when they're in your heart, you're to teach them to future generations. 
this teaching was targeting, and it says so right here in the text, targeting the children. Verse 7, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit down in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. It begins at home. It is a parent's task, and it's all the time. When you lie down, when you get up, morning and night, whether you are at home or whether you're going out and walking along the road when you're traveling somewhere. Let me just ask you, what do you teach your kids in the car? What are they learning from you as they ride along in your vehicle? Okay? Are they getting to observe what the fruit of the Holy Spirit looks like? Do they see this parent of mine doesn't act like Johnny's parent. Why is my parent different? Living the way that God teaches us to live will raise questions. Please note that. Living the way that God commands will raise questions. You're family, those closest to you are going to say, how come we're not like the neighbors? And the answer to that question is because of what God has done for us. The reason we live the way that we live is not because we're trying to earn God's love. It is because God has saved us. God has done great things for us. And therefore, out of love for him, we live like this. Now please, please, please get that. If you think that the reason we're to live the way we do is so that God will love us, you have not yet believed the gospel. This is how we know what the love of God is. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He saved us, not because of anything good we had done, but because of his great love for us. He loves us, and so out of what he has done for us, we love him and want to please him. We want to do what God wants because we are learning to love him with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And that's even why we love our neighbors, as we love ourselves. It's not because our neighbors are always so lovable. Anybody, don't raise your hand, please. Anybody here have any neighbors that aren't very lovable? Have you ever encountered that? But you see, the fact of the matter is, all of us deserve God's wrath. And God chose to save. But he didn't just choose to save us. He chose to save us so that we would be his ambassadors in reaching out with love to those who don't know him yet. Well, are you saying you believe everybody's going to get saved? No, I guarantee you not everybody's going to get saved because God says not everybody's going to get saved. People who believe the scriptures don't have to wrestle with universalism. It's a non-issue. 
Jesus spoke about hell more than anybody else in Scripture, and he didn't say, but don't worry, nobody's going there. He said, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name work miracles, cast out demons? You know, hey, we're on your team. He says, I will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. So, again, the reason for our love is his love. We love him because he first loved us. And when we live a life of love, it will not look like the world. And it will, as I said before, raise questions. I've told the story many times of my wife being approached when she was holding our oldest son in her arms, waiting for him to be taken into surgery. And she was singing softly, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And a man came out of the hospital room across the hall there on Division 33 in Boston, a children's hospital. And when he came out, he said, how can you act like that? How can you be joyful and have peace when your son is going through this? If you live for Jesus, it raises questions. That man is now a pastor in Massachusetts. At that time, he was a member of a motorcycle gang. And his great fear was that if he really gave his life to Christ after he'd heard the gospel, his mother would be upset with him. You know, within the year, mom was saved too. Let me just tell you something. There are a lot of lost people out there who will ask why you live like that if you go ahead and live out loud instead of trying to hide your light under a bushel. So, why, when your son says, why do we live like this? The answer is, we were slaves, but the Lord brought us out. He brought us out, verse 23, in order to lead us in. Please remember that God's salvation wasn't just to forgive your sins and keep you from going to hell. God's desire was for us not only to be freed from his wrath, but adopted into his family and made a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Do you realize what he's done for you? How could you not love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength when you consider what he's done? He not only forgave us, he adopted us. And he didn't come and say, okay, you can be junior members of the family. He said, I want you to be joint heirs with Jesus. Could we ever earn that? Not a chance. But if you believe the good news, doesn't it make you want to live for Jesus? Doesn't it make you want to find out, God, what would you have me do? How would you have me live? How should I respond to this situation? Doesn't it make you want to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? The pastor, are you saying that if we learn to obey the law of God, everything will go well for us? Yes, in the long run. 
In this life, Jesus said, you'll have tribulation. But don't be afraid. Jesus said, I've already overcome the world. What this world counts as valuable, what this world calls treasure, is all going to burn. It's all temporary. What matters is investing in eternity. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. We do what we do because of what He has done for us. Thanks be to God. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.